Later. Welcome to this week's episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have the beautiful Julie. Really? Really? <laughs> did I say that right? I forgot to ask you in the beginning. <laughs> you did, and I always joked about uh, I got married to change my last name because it used to be Tamulonis, <laughs> so it's a lot easier <laughs> being really, but everybody says, really, really? <laughs> yeah, really? I know, it's like it totally shocked me. So Julie is a, she's the founder of Julie for Joy, which brings outer fun for inner transformation. And I just love that. That resonates with me so much, especially a lot of you know that I recently rebranded and it's all about mindset. It's the crux of all that we do. And it's a matter of the heart. Why? Because we're looking for joy. We're looking for that peace, unspeakable peace and joy that's just beyond. Like no one can take that joy away from you because it's so deep in your heart. Her goal, Julie's goal, is to shift us from the blues to bliss. She intuitively weaves the universal formulas for happiness into all of her services, happy for no reason. So in her sound healing, she's going to share with us her experiences of overcoming areas in illness, depression, anxiety, and how she flipped that to something positive and joy-filled. So welcome, Julie. It's so um, I'm so honored to have you here, and, and, and thank you for your patience. We talked a little bit about all the times that we had to reschedule, and last night when we were supposed to do this yesterday, I thought, okay, we're rescheduling again. I'm like, okay, somebody, you know, we're either doing something really good, and, and you know, Satan's trying to, like, stop it you know, there's a reason why everything's delayed. So this is in perfect timing. So whoever's here listening to this at this moment live needed to hear it where we're here on here for you, <laughs> whoever you are. So tell us about your journey before you got into the Julie for joy. What was life like for you? Well, you know, I had a happy childhood and grew up being a horse trainer, which was my childhood dream, even though all the adults laughed at me and tried to discourage me. But um, as decades went by, you know, life created a lot of problems. We had financial problems. My husband lost his business. We were in an expensive lawsuit. Um, he developed uh, you know, kidney cancer and epilepsy, and then my health started failing. I had multiple surgeries uh, from being a horse trainer and being damaged by horses. And um, I got to a point where I went to Mexico and was hospitalized for five days and came back and couldn't go back to work. I, I had lost all my strength. I was weak. I was ill. And I continued getting ill. And, and the Western medicine doctors, you know, bless their hearts. They were working so hard to try to figure things out, but what they were doing wasn't working. And um, then I was injured. I was down to 90. I went from 150 pounds to 92 pounds. I was emaciated. I was waiting for shoulder surgery. I wouldn't clear because of my physical condition. And then I went cross-country skiing and fell and fractured my ankle and the labrum in my hip. And that put me in a wheelchair. And then the lack of activity and the weakness um, shut down my colon and bladder and my organs were starting to shut down. And um, I basically couldn't sleep or eat or pee or poop. And I lived in daily pain, constant pain. I was so angry. I was angry at my husband because 
Um, he wanted to go to conventional medicine and I wanted to go to functional medicine because I wasn't getting any help, but we had insurance. So functional medicine wasn't covered, you know? So I was so angry at him. I was so angry at my doctors because like, I felt like they weren't listening to me. And sometimes they were like treating me like a drug addict because I looked like one because I was so skinny and had big bags under my eyes. And I was angry at, um, God. I felt like he abandoned me and I was very, very, very active in my church. I worked uh, with the music ministry and did children's choirs and adult choirs. And I was on the liturgy committee and I put a lot of time and heart into my work at the church. It was all volunteer work. And when I got injured, like they were mad at me that I couldn't show up to do my stuff. And I got no support from anybody at the church. And I was really at a place where I could have really used it. So I was angry at everybody at the church and I was angry at the church. I was angry about it all. And of course, anger, you know, when we hold anger, it affects our body physically. This is something I learned over the years. I didn't know it at the time, but being angry you know, I was depressed. They gave me medication. It just screwed up my neurological system. The medication they gave me, I developed super EMF sensitivity and anxiety and I wanted to die. I felt like I had nothing to live for. I felt like I had no purpose except to try to make it to the bathroom in time. Um, they put me on medication that gave me spastic bowel movements that were out of control. I couldn't leave the house. Um, it was, a uh, very difficult time in my life. And I really wanted to die. If I would have been braver, I probably would have tried to kill myself, but I didn't. So sad. So I, uh, you know, broke my relationship with, well, I wasn't even able to leave the house. So that naturally broke my relationship with the church, but emotionally my relationship with the church and broke uh, and God broke and, and, and I was just miserable So my sister's a therapist in Hawaii, and she kept recommending for me um, to start working with restorative yoga. And I finally did. And I was still in an ankle boot hobbling around. Um, But I did start to work with on restorative yoga, which is a little different than regular yoga because it's laying on a mat and it's like slow motion. And um, the teacher got me involved in breath work got me involved in meditation. And I started taking some, you know, like self-improvement type classes with her. And I started to improve in very, very little bits. I started to improve. And I went through a couple of years where I had experiment with my diet because I had developed a lectin intolerance. And like when I was going to the doctors and they were having me work with the nutritionist, the nutritionist didn't know what lectin was. So she couldn't help me either. That's something that I had to research and discover on my own. And it took me a couple of years to figure out what my body would accept as far as food. It was very time consuming too, because I had to prepare the food because there's so many things that I was intolerant of that I couldn't buy prepared foods because of additives and things. But I started Little by little, I started getting better, and I discovered the Happy for No Reason program um, book. I got the book, and I and, and when I read the book, I was amazed because the book is set up as 
a way to build our inner home for happiness and based on needing support pillars. So it's set up with like seven different support pillars that cover every area of our life. And each pillar has a group of practices included that you can do to support your transition, your transformation, and and to um, put the teachings to work in your life. And so I did about half of them. And so I just dived in and finished the book. And I was so amazed by my starting to heal that I just wanted to share it with the world. And I also got involved in sound healing. Um, When I was home ill, I tuned into a global sound healing summit, which was a five-day presentation for free. And that was amazing. And I started going for sound healing and that was helping me heal also. But I have a big music background, so it's resonated with me. And I was so amazed by like, I was healing. I was getting all off of medications and I was healing and recovering little by little. I was able to eat without pain. I was starting to put a little bit of weight on. I had a spiritual awakening and reconnected with God. It was very powerful. Um, I did a lot of meditation. I did Joe Dispenza's meditation for breaking the habit of being yourself. And, you know, I'm reading the book and I'm like, yeah, I can do this, but I don't really know. Like, like the meditation is to help you to release emotions and habits that you don't want to have in your life. And I'm reading the book and I didn't realize what a state of anger I was in. I, I didn't know I was holding all that in me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't really know like what I would work on with these meditations. And then you turn the page and here's a list of examples of what you might want to cover. And I'm like, oh, oh. and it's like, yes, yeah. So it gave me and so many things were on the list that you needed to work on, right? So <laughs> many things, so yeah. many things. So I started doing his meditations and it was a long, long process because each each intention, each emotion or habit that you want to overcome, it's like a four-week process with the meditation. And I was very weak. And everybody says you have to sit when you meditate, but I did it in bed. I did it in the morning when I woke up before I got out of bed. And at night when I lay down and went to bed before I went to sleep, I would do the meditation. And yeah, sometimes I would fall asleep, but you know what? It still sinks into your subconscious. So it was okay. I always pray myself to sleep. But it worked. You cry yourself to sleep? No, pray. I pray. Pray. Okay. I was going to say, why well, you cry yourself to sleep? That's not good. No, pray. No, I pray. I was yeah. up at three o'clock in the morning. I had a phone call from my daughter at three o'clock in the morning yesterday. And I was like wide awake afterwards. And I was just like, okay. So I just started praying and then I fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good place to focus and take yeah. your mind off of your worries and release. You actually release your mind from worries when you focus on prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, prayer and meditation overlap because Mm -hmm, the meditation for me became prayer. And that's why I had the spiritual awakening and reconnected with God, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So once I discovered all these tools that were so powerful and brought my body, my mind, my heart and soul to a place of healing, I just wanted to share it with the world. 
So I basically put myself into research and study and training. And I went to the Globe Sound Healing Institute in California and spent half the year there studying and getting certified. And I work with um, tuning forks on the acupuncture points blended with traditional Chinese medicine. Wow. And um, I discovered that the movement that I did was very, very um, responsible also for my healing because we hold trauma and emotions in our body. Now, when I was first told this, it was by my yoga instructor and Mm -hmm. she would mention to me, you know, I have these pains in my neck and shoulder and she'd always help me with the position so I wouldn't hurt them. And she says, well, once you release the trauma you're carrying, that pain will go away. And I'd be like, no, I'm not carrying trauma. I had surgery that went bad and they had to open me up and cut me open and redo my whole shoulder. And it was never the same. And they botched it. And this is just going to be a problem for the rest of my life. I was in the victim mentality with all my injuries and pains and had no idea that we carry pain and emotions and trauma in our body. And have you ever read the book and the body keeps the score? No, but it sounds like a book I should read. I got to write yeah. that down. Body keeps the yeah. score. The body keeps the score. It's all about how when we don't process our emotions and we bury them, they pop up in our bodies physically. And a lot of our pain comes from it. You know, I mean, some of it is medically um, a sign, but a lot of times it's just because we're not processing something and each pain, like I, I was born with asthma and in the book, I don't remember that verbatim, but it's just talking about if you grew up in a family where there was a lot of screaming and yelling, you could get asthma. And that's exactly how I grew up. And like, yeah. you know, if you have acne, if you have back pain, shoulder pain, yeah, it's really amazing how our bodies are designed to, you know, something pops out physically, you know, especially if you go to the doctors and stuff and they're like, well, I don't really know what it is. And I always say that doctors are practicing, right. You know, and there are some medical reasons for why we suffer something. Um, But, you know, when you have like stomach issues and like, you know, I like to talk about like digestive issues and things like that, it's probably because you're stressed out and you haven't processed you know, and a lot of people are saying like they have like the gluten um, allergies and this and that. And I know they modified our food so that what we're eating as far as gluten isn't the same that we had when our grandparents were living and they were making homemade breads and stuff. So like, what did they do? What happened to our foods and why can't we tolerate it? Because there's all these little synthetics and stuff in there, but a lot of it um, combination of things. So eliminating and starting from scratch, just sounds like what you did. Yeah. Can you touch more about the spiritual aspect of what had happened? So you had gone through this, this, um, illness period. How, how many years did that last? Was this something that happened like in, in like a short time period or was it expanded? Um, I would say that my, you know, my digestive system was not very strong because when I was in my twenties, I had a parasite called Jardia and it was very severe and it took the doctors two years to eradicate it. And they gave me very, very heavy medication. And I don't know if it was the parasite or the medication, but basically that trashed my um, colon a little bit all the way back in my twenties. 
And for about 10 years, I had to eat like, an, I said, I'd have to eat like an old lady, you know, all the vegetables had to be cooked soft, no spices, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but actually, that's not a good comment because I know old ladies that eat spicy food and stuff all the time. So I don't know why. It'd be me. I love it. It's spicier the better. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I forgot what I was saying. So your, your illnesses happened over a long period of time. So you're talking about from starting from 20 until now, every year, like, you know, yeah. a few years, you'd have a different diagnosis until the point, I mean, you were in Mexico and got really sick. Was that yeah. recent or? That was about five years ago. Yeah. Five after about ago. 10 years, my diet came back to normal after the parasite. Mm-hmm. And then I really was okay. I mean, I wasn't really regular, but I was okay and functional and could basically eat whatever I wanted to. Um, but yeah. yes, as I started getting older and getting, um, into, you know, the stress of the challenges that were facing us, you know, like I owned a horse farm and had a professional career and we lost the farm financially yeah. because of our financial distress, you know, and physically then I couldn't work anymore, but, um, it's just very difficult. It was very difficult for me. And my, then my, my, digestive system was struggling a little bit for a couple of years before I went to Mexico. And then it completely, completely um, exploded and just in a bad way. And they didn't really know what it was. You know, they just sent me home. They gave me drugs that the American insurance companies never even heard of. Um, Who knows what damages from the drugs and what damages from whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I felt like God abandoned me. I felt like the church abandoned me. That was like the darkest days of my life. I felt completely hopeless and completely without purpose. And when I started healing and I had the spiritual awakening, I realized that, well, here, you know what? I wrote, I wrote in this book. It's called Dare to be Authentic, Finding Your Purpose. And I'm a co-author in the book. And I wrote in the book, every single stress I experienced physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and every single step of healing I took contributed to the particles of who I am today and my knowing. I've done many loops on the roller coaster from illness to self-healing, depression to happiness, anxiety to calm, judgment to acceptance, self-hate to self-love, anger to peace. My heightened neurological responses made me oversensitive to energy, and I would feel when people were distressed. I wanted to grab them and say, you don't need to live like this. You can heal yourself. Reflecting back now, I can see that my struggles and experiences held many valuable lessons and served to prepare me for a new vocation and purpose. And that purpose is to help other people recover from their black pit, to climb out, to recover their body, their mind, their heart, their spirit their connection with God, because it's all those things that are important. That's why the Western doctors can't always help us because they're trained to address the body. They don't always address the emotions and the mind. Right. They don't have that brain gut health relationship that we so need 
to heal because, you know, a lot of the things, if we could just captivate our thoughts in my divine heart alignment program, we will focus on captivating our thoughts, making them obedient to Christ and really focusing on how are you feeling and why and healing from that so that you can, so you can move into your passion, your purpose with passion and do what you're meant to do with all out this external validation. We're all looking for external validation and you know, I have this really cool method where I use um, CBT combined with aroma freedom therapy. And we go back to like zero to five and six to 12. And we look at each age group to see what memories we have. If you think of the movie Inside Out in those memory walls, you know, all of these memories are stored in our bodies, in our minds. And a lot of times, you know, our subconscious, my earpods filling up, our subconscious will recall these memories when something triggers us and we have no idea and we're reacting. Like you talked about being angry at the church and at God, you know, church is the community of people. And it's like, why am I alone? Why am I sad? Why am I going through this? Why don't I have that support? I know yesterday I was having a meltdown. And I wanted someone to vent to so desperately. I'm like, I have no one to vent to. And it's hard to vent to yourself, but I just started venting to God and like just talking to God as I was driving down the road and yelling out and getting really angry and upset. And then afterwards I was just like, okay, so why am I angry? What's my why? And just really visiting that. And it sounds so simple, but yet we have a very, we're challenged to do it by ourselves and we were meant for community. So having that ability to have a coach or a mentor to be able to walk you through that and say, yeah, this is why you're angry and you can heal your body that way. Because if you think about where your anger is, where do you feel it the most? You know, you feel it in your heart, in the pit of your stomach, in your shoulders, your neck. And when you hold on to it and don't tell anybody about it, you know, you and then you don't sleep at night, you know, you're, you're restless, your back starts to hurt. And then you're just like so tense. And the next thing you know, you're snapping at the people that you love the most. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You lose control of your responses. Yeah. And anger resides in, is the emotion that is associated with residing in the liver. So, Mm. you know, if it goes on long enough, then you start getting physical, physical effects that affect. Now, what's so interesting to me is the Happy for No Reason program really resonated with me because it's not just a bunch of stuff to do to get yourself happier. It gives you all the scientific research and background behind how everything works, the processes and and the principles in there. You know, it talks about how the brain is wired for negative thinking for survival, Mm -hmm. but that's only meant to be activated once in a while. Like the cavemen, you know, had to be always on guard to survive as a species and always looking for that saber toothed tiger, but we're our own saber toothed tiger, our own fears. We create them around us, you know, and carry them. And, and the feelings, the, the emotions that we experience actually release chemicals, hormones in our body. So the good emotions like love and gratitude and compassion, those emotions release the positive chemicals, the serotonin, the oxytocin, and then the negative emotions of anger, greed, and jealousy and frustration, those emotions release the negative hormones in our body, the cortisol and the adrenaline that's uh, overcharged and that whatnot. And basically the diseases that we hold in our DNA 
are activated by these negative chemicals. So the way we think and feel actually affects us and can trigger whatever diseases we carry in our genes. That's why you'll run into a family that everybody's got cancer, except that person over there. Well, that person's got the same blood and the same genes. Why isn't that person getting it? Okay, well, everybody else is a worry war, and that guy just doesn't worry about anything. Yeah, and I know they're doing doing a lot of research and studies on that right now. Really big research on happiness and the health and the brain, the connection between brain and the heart and um, the coherence level. And uh, those are all covered in the book. And my brain likes that scientific background. It validates it for me and very powerful. And they have processes there that, that you can do to coordinate, to get coherence between your brain and your heart. And it's very, very powerful. You know, yeah, it's amazing how it, when you could, you know, learn the technique to channel that so that you can flip those negativity. Cause we're, for whatever reason, we're wired, we're focused on the negative constantly. You know, in my program, we talk about, you know, we look in the mirror and it's a cycle, a vicious cycle of self-abuse. So transforming that self-abuse to peace and joy. And when I work with my clients, they're such in a pattern, a behavioral pattern. And it's so automatic just to automatically make the negative. I'm broken. I'm no good. I'm not, you know, whatever the negative emotion is. And it's all based on like, you know, if they were abandoned by their parents or, you know, if they messed up or they made some poor choices. And instead of just recognizing that things happen for us instead of to us getting out of that victim mode and looking like scripture says to give things in all circumstances. And if you think about the things that you do, yeah, you may have messed up. Maybe you weren't the best parent. Maybe you weren't the best worker. You weren't the best spouse or whatever you don't think you were good enough in. But if you go back and revisit that and think you can never change your circumstances in the past, but you can certainly change your perspective. And when you go back and you think about, okay, what, what good happened out of this? You know, like I come from a divorced family and I always was told, you know, that divorce was bad. When you get married, make sure you stay married. You know, God doesn't like divorce. Um, you know, be careful, you know, all these warnings about what you should do to have a happy marriage. And in the seventies, when my parents got divorced, they were both entrepreneurs and they were very, they did really well and they were really wealthy. So we lived in this big, beautiful home with the built-in swimming pool, the perfect American family. And then they got divorced and everything like, you know, they had to, my mom had to start all over and my dad just went off and did his thing. So that abandonment issue and all those things that, you know, my mom kind of transferred over to me. I was kind of like her scapegoat as I was growing up because she was such, she regretted, like, why didn't my marriage work coming from an Italian Catholic background? You know, she was the first person in her family to get divorced, you know, and then they lost everything. So all of that transferred and it was just like, you know, this roller emotional roller coaster ride and all this yelling and screaming and, and despair. And it's like, okay, let's break that generational cycle and say, okay, what happened that was good from that, that separation, you know, what were the good things that came about? And it takes a lot of work and and it sounds so simple, but it's challenging to break those patterns, 
you know, they say it takes what, 21 days to make a habit. But if you think about how long you've been stuck, I know a lot of women in the um, the group right now, we're going live into Source Society. And when you, um, some of the ladies in here have a lot of um, things that they're holding on to, a lot of hurt and pain that they're holding on to because they don't know any other way. What kind of um, suggestion would you give to them? What would be a simple thing they could do every day to let go of them? Um, wow, there's so much to share. Well, first of all, we have a bucket that we fill and we either fill it with like good energy or bad energy. And our horm- those chemical hormones we have in our body are addictive. The good ones are addictive, but so are the negative ones. So we actually get addicted to our anxieties and stresses and worries. We get addicted to that flow of adrenaline pumping through us. That's why it's so hard to break. Um, the meditation was really powerful for me of breaking my habits. Not only that, but you said a key thing. You said it's a lot of hard work and it is work. I had to work very hard to shift myself and change myself as a person. But through intention, desire, prayer, commitment, daily pursuit, it became a reality for me. I created a new self for myself, but it's not like you go find it and it's there. You have to create it. You have to work on it. You have to create it. And now that I'm a happy person, because I have this inner peace and resilience, which is the definition of happiness and the happy for no reason program, the definition of happiness is an inner state of being of inner peace and calm, regardless of your circumstances, which gives us resilience. So Mm -hmm. now that I am a person, a happy, resilient peaceful person. That doesn't mean that I don't have to work on it. I work on it still. It is a daily pursuit for me. You know, Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence said that we all created equal and we all have the right to pursue happiness. In those days, the word pursue didn't mean chasing after something like a dog chases a stick. It meant to make it a daily habit and a daily practice. And that's what I do. I get up every day before dawn, before everybody else gets up. Mm -hmm. And I spend time, meditation, prayer. I pull out the Bible. I read some scripture. I meditate on it. I move. I do restorative yoga, Qigong. I do Qigong, energy work. It's so powerful. This is what gives me resilience. and. If I just get up and do the meditation and prayer, it doesn't work the same for me as if I include movement, because movement will work on your neurological system and help to tame it. Movement allows me to release emotions and negative trauma that's stored in my body. Movement gives me flexibility of my body. With the flexibility of my body, I develop flexibility of the mind and heart. It's like a direct link together. 
I, I just can't say the benefits of movement. So I would say anybody who's having trouble um, shifting and releasing the stuff that they need to let go. Remember, if your bucket is full of icky stuff, there's no room to put good stuff in it. We have to start somewhere and we have to start removing the icky stuff and, and putting in the joy and the love and the gratitude and the connection with God evolving as a human being to a place where we can um, recognize, recognize what type of energy we're slipping into. Are we slipping into contracting energy? Are we slipping into expansive energy? And as soon as we recognize where we're at, then we can start making a change. Awareness is key. We need to have awareness. You know, if we're not aware of, and we can't change anybody. No. Mm -mm. They have to change. People have to change themselves. They have to want to Mm -hmm. change. And it's interesting because when I started to change and heal, my husband was at a very still 10 years. We were in a lawsuit for 10 years because his partner stole his business. He had developed so much anger and resentment. He was almost like toxic. And as I started to recover, heal, and let my anger go, it was really hard for me to be around his energy, but I couldn't change him. He would just get angry if I like made comments or anything. So I just continued to live my life every day, getting up, setting an intention to make every day of my life, the best day of my life, living everything through gratitude, good or bad, you know, and connecting with God for, um, for everything, for just total filling of my soul. And over time, it bled over to him because I was a new person and I was always joyful. And he started realizing that. And he started shifting himself because he wanted to let go of his anger. He finally realized how much anger he was holding when I wasn't holding any anger anymore. And he saw how I was living like a different person. He started letting go. It took him about two years after I started shifting for him, but he rode my coattails and Mm -hmm. caught up with it. Right. Cause we learn, we, we, we emanate what people are doing. Like we see the emotion, the physical stuff more than we hear the words. And, you know, I always tell my clients change comes from within and, you know, you, if you're married, your spouse can't change you, you can't change them. So you can only change your heart. You can only change how you act. And Mark Batterson wrote a great book, um, The Circle Maker. And in it, he talks about drawing the circle and standing in the center of it and asking God to change you. And that daily commitment, I like the word. I love looking up the definition of words and the root word. So I love that that pursue. Because for me, I always think of pursue as the chasing. And it's so wonderful to hear that it doesn't mean that at all. And when we can look up those root words and really understand the definition. So it's a daily habit because you, it's a daily practice to prepare yourself. And when you wake up first thing in the morning, like, you know, thanking God for the breath of life, 
thinking about your heart is beating. God has a purpose for you today. What, how does God want you to, to fulfill this purpose? And then doing your meditation, doing your, you know, meditating on scripture and really understanding those words. And like you said, movement is so important because that physical energy of releasing, I started working out, I was, you know, up and down working out. When I started working out, I started feeling better and those endorphins release, you know, even if it's only for 10, 15, 20 minutes, it doesn't have to be a huge commitment. But telling yourself, like, you know, a lot of people say, well, I can't do this. I don't have time. Me time is so essential. And if you don't implement, I didn't do me time until my youngest was 14. He's 23 now. So here I am working full time. I have always had a side gig doing all this volunteer work, not taking any me time. I was miserable. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was overeating, over drinking and over spending. I couldn't figure out why. And when I got a a mentor in 2014, they're like, well, what does Lisa want? And I'm like, Lisa wants peace. Well, how do you get peace? And I started looking up the definitions when I started my one word journey. And every year I got a new word. And what did peace mean? And it's just like, you know what? I need to take me time. And then I was able to pour into others. And, you know, know, I know a lot of um, spouses, especially the men, don't don't approve of or endorse personal coaching or self-development programs. And, you know, that's like one of the um, objections that my audience has. And it's like, okay, but, and you gave a perfect example of that. What happens when you invest in a coach and you can change yourself? You're going to be a better spouse, a better mother, a better daughter, a better employee, a better entrepreneur. And people are going to see how your heart is transformed. And regardless of your circumstances, you're going to have this unspeakable joy and peace then what's going to happen? Then your spouse is going to be like, wow, I want what you have. And yet the ROI on that is priceless because, you know, and the ripple effect that you can create, because when you are at center with your, and when you're in alignment with your thoughts and your heart or in alignment with your purpose, and you can pursue that passion. You're going to move mountains. You're going to do so much for the kingdom. And isn't that like what we're here to do is to, you know, create this community where we connect with our people and help them reach the sense of joy and peace because we're each have a mission. We each are called to do something to build the kingdom. And we're in a perfect opportunity to do that, you know, with all the social media connections and the, and the way that we can connect around the world with so many different people and we weren't meant to focus on negative stuff. We were meant to focus on the good I mean, if you look at creation and all the beautiful things that are around us, it's all good. You know, and there's so there's a lot of corruption in the world. And for whatever reason, our minds go there. It's like, why do your minds go there? And in order to redirect that, it's this daily practice, this commitment. And um, I like to say, if you put on the full armor of God, you know, you're shielding your heart, you're putting on the helmet, you got your sword. And if you equipped yourself, you become this mighty warrior so that regardless of who's going to say anything, you know, I remember when, you know, I would get triggers from people like at the grocery store, you know, if somebody accidentally bumped into me and then all of a sudden they're yelling and screaming at you and it's just like, what? You know, and my younger self would have screamed back. I would have flipped them off or, you know, whatever, said a few choice words. And now I'm like, oh, okay, you know, no worries. You know, you're all set. Like, and just have a totally different response. You know, yesterday I was in uh, Walmart 
I'm sitting in my car talking to my daughter and I was getting ready to get out of the car. And this woman comes next to me, loads her car up and her door is open. So I can't open my door based on the position. And then she leaves her door open and walks away to put the cart away. And I'm like, why did you, why did you close the door? I want to get out of my car now. So I had to wait for her to come back and she was really slow as molasses. And I was like, okay, whatever. My time, it's not my time to get out of the car right now. So I just sat there. And as soon as she closed the door, I got out of my car and she kind of looked at me like I was going to say something negative to her. And I just smiled and said, hi, have a great day. But things like that, that trigger us, you know, like I said, my younger self would have been like, why are you leaving your door open? How inconsiderate and, you know, whatever. But because I've done the work every single day and prepared my heart, I have a positive response to things that would normally trigger me and understanding our triggers, understanding how our body receives and recognizing those triggers like that was a trigger for me. She prevented me from getting out of my car. My instant thought was. I can't get out of my car unless I smash into her door. Do I move my car and go into a different parking spot? Do I sit here and wait? Do I get out and yell at her? Um, you know, like all these thoughts ran through my head and I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to wait patiently and let her close the door. So it's amazing. Like for people who don't have that daily practice, the response that you could have had, had you not prepared yourself for And it's with anything. It could be something as small as that car door being opened or something as huge as, you know, walking into your office and having your boss trigger you or a customer or, you know, if you're in the entrepreneurial world, something triggers you that way as well. Well, I think part of it, part of it is that if you have, if you learn to have self-love and self-compassion, then it becomes easy to have love mm-hmm. and compassion for other people when they're in going through difficult things that maybe upset you, you know? So when we don't have self-love or self-compassion and we're judgmental of ourselves and we get angry at ourselves, then we're going to be the same way to other people. Basically what we are is what's projected. And that's why Christ says we have to be the light of the world. And what, what's really beautiful is that right now there's a big movement about mindfulness going on, which is very, very powerful. And we do need mindfulness, but you know, that's in the Bible. Jesus talks about where you should put your mind and, and have mindfulness. And he says not to, not to um, worry about tomorrow. You know, and that's very, very important. We need to learn to live in the present moment. And it's so, you know, there's such simple practices that you can do to redirect yourself when you get into a frenzy like that. If you just sort of sit down and you just take a deep breath and you tune into your breath and you close your eyes and you just start feeling the breath going in and out of your body, and then you can just, you know, think of, enjoy that sensation, the physical sensation of the breath moving in and out of your body. And then think about thanking your lungs and your nose and the air that you breathe and God for providing it all for you and, and give gratitude for it. And then, and then you can shift to your sense of hearing and, and just take a moment to open your ears and listen to everything around you and just breathe deeply and just listen to the sounds and then to just think 
like how wonderful it is to be able to hear and to have the opportunity to connect with each other and with the world. And then we can go another step further and continue to breathe and keep the eyes closed and turn your head to the side with your eyes closed really slowly. And then take a deep breath and then open your eyes and just gaze and just notice what you see and take another deep breath and close your eyes and really slowly turn your head to the other side and then open your eyes again and gaze out and notice what you see and just think how blessed we are to have vision and to be able to see the beauty that is in the world. So when you go through a practice like that, where you close your eyes and go inside and focus on the gifts that we, the physical gifts that we have of vision and and hearing and breathing that are automatic things that we do that we don't always tap into or think about. And you just go into that moment, the few moments it takes to just breathe and have gratitude for that. That completely resets your brain. And just doing the vision thing where you're turning your head from one side to the other and then opening your eyes and clawing, that sort of resets your brain, that bilateral movement, very powerful. And so just knowing, you know, knowing that you can calm yourself with a breath, you know, there's, you know, you can just breathe, you can just breathe in and smile and know that that breath is calming your body. And that can be a reset in itself. If you do it intentionally, you just breathe in. Now, when we smile with an opening in our mouth, you know, like, like in, in research, in studies, they have you hold like a dowel rod in your mouth so that everybody who's being researched has the same. When you put your mouth in that position, it releases serotonin automatically. You don't have to do anything, but put your mouth in that position. Even if you don't feel like smiling, if you put your mouth in the smile position, your body registers it as a real smile and will release serotonin to flow in your body. So just taking a deep breath and smiling intentionally, knowing that it's going to calm your body. And for me, taking a breath is like sipping in God. Yes. I mean, God's everywhere in everything that he created. So when Mm -hmm. I'm breathing in, I'm feeling like I'm breathing in the essence of God. And it is a very calming process to just Mm -hmm. breathe and know that that breathing will calm you. And if you have that mindset, that's what you're going to receive. You know, what you focus on is what you receive. You need, and and another thing is like when we look at people like that woman in the parking lot who didn't close her door, well, you know what? Maybe she just got news that her sister died. Mm -hmm. Maybe she can't think straight. 
So we can get angry that we have to wait a couple minutes and think about what an idiot she is and how stupid that is and be judgmental. We can go in that judgmental place and complain about it. Or we can sit in compassion and say, wow, she's not really thinking straight. I hope that everything's going okay for her. You know, so like, who are we to judge? Like when somebody cuts us off and almost creates an accident and we want to get out and shoot them, you know, like who's to judge? Like, we don't know what they went through that created their brain to short circuit and be like that. I mean, it might be a habitual action, but it might not. And we don't know. And it's not our place to judge. And that's also in the Bible. We're not supposed to judge. We just really need to be concerned with ourselves with knowing that we need to let go of victimhood. We need to stop complaining, blaming, and shaming other people and ourselves. We need to take responsibility for whatever's happening, for how we respond. And like you says, you can look at the past problems and, and be depressed over it, or you can look at the past problems and find the pearls of wisdom that you gain from it for how it's shaped mm-hmm. and changed. You know, like God's the potter and we're the clay and he creates us and now we're in nice, nice shape and he puts us in the oven and he bakes us and that's really hard. And that's like the challenges in our life, you know? Then we come out of the oven and we're solid shape and we can't be pushed around anymore. We're solid and we feel better. We feel good. We've been fired. We're strong now, but God's not done with us. Then we go through our life another couple of decades or something. And then he's going to say, mm, I think I'm going to put a nice glaze on that pot now. So he takes us and starts slapping colors on us and glazes on us. And then he's got to put us back into the furnace. So we go and we face all these challenges. And I don't even call them problems anymore. I've realigned my perception. Um, opportunity for growth. <laughs> challenges. They're challenges and they are opportunities. And whenever we take on a challenge and we look at it from that, we have to take, we have to put on divine lenses Mm -hmm. and we have to see the good in every situation, whether it was bad for us or not. We have to see. So tell me what, what's your definition of forgiveness when we talk about forgiveness what would, how would you explain forgiveness to someone? Well, forgiveness, oh, you know, there were two monks and they were imprisoned and they were tortured severely. They met in prison and became friends. They were tortured severely and then they were released and went their own ways. And then they ran into each other on the street a couple of years later. And the first monk says to the second one, so. Have you forgiven them yet? And the second one says, I'll never forgive them after what they did to me. Never. I'll never forgive them. And the first monk says, hmm, so I see they still have you in prison. When we don't forgive somebody, we are chaining ourselves. We don't forgive somebody for their sake. We have to forgive somebody for our, our healing. But then people think like, well, how can I forgive? I'm the victim. Me. 
But you know what? Every inch is a street. We are all responsible for every old, old Hawaiian. We're losing you. I think we've lost your connection. We've lost the connection uh, to Julie. I don't know if she's going to come back here. So we were talking about forgiveness and what she felt forgiveness was. Yeah, you got frozen. So... um, I don't know if it's yeah, your you connection too. I wasn't on my screen. Yeah, I'm having a hard time hearing you. You're coming in all garbled. Well, is there anything I can do? It must be your internet connection because um, I'm on my hotspot. But um I don't see us getting it back soon, so we'll just kind of end here. Well, maybe it came back now, so I think we lost you at the – I think you're back. No, you're still garbled. Hmm. You were talking about forgiveness, about keeping yourself in prison. Yeah. The process. Yeah. Where really I can hmm. Okay. You're totally garbled. Okay. I've never had this happen this long before. <laughs> well, I it could be the solar flare activity. Could be, yeah. Um, I guess we can just try to finish up. So um just to recap the definition of forgiveness, when you refuse to forgive give someone you're keeping yourself in prison and you know when you let go when you actually decide to forgive somebody you're releasing yourself and a lot of people misunderstand forgiveness with the idea that you have to forget and that is so untrue forgiveness does not mean you forget it does not mean that you allow the person back in to hurt you it just releases you from that prison of thinking of all that negative stuff and it's the same kind of application to get that joy when you think about those circumstances you know we forgive because god forgave us and when you think about that thing that you know like the monk that was in the prison when you can forgive the people that tortured you because hurt people hurt others you're just saying you know you're not saying it's okay what happened you're just saying okay i'm going to move i'm going to move on what happened was not acceptable and it hurt me but I forgive that person and I'm just going to move forward and I'm going to do what God did and looking at the situation. And again, scripture says to give thanks in all circumstances. So what, what good came out of that experience and focusing on that. So you might be back now, Julie, I think I see some clear movement (laughs) from you. So how in your, you have a coaching program. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I do work with happy. I'm a certified trainer for the happy for no reason program. And I offer, um, you know, like group webinars uh, for the program, or I do individual coaching with people to help them work through the processes and help them overcome their, 
um, victimization, help them develop new patterns with their thoughts, help them understand and recognize their emotions and develop an awareness so they can pick and choose what emotions they activate so that they can get the chemicals, the right chemicals and hormones flowing in their body so that they can feel good about what they're doing, you know, and, and just caring for themselves, physically, the body, getting enough sleep and eat, having a connection with God and, and, and spirituality and making time for yourself. Yeah, so, so similar to what I do with the um, CBT learning. and Aroma Freedom. So that's amazing. That's beautiful. And the best way to connect with you is through your website. Yes, julieforjoy.com and it's Julie, J-U-L-I-F-O. Awesome. Uh, we lost you again. <laughs> All right. So, well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey. It's such a beautiful journey. And we'll put the link um, to connect with Julie in the description. And um, be sure to like, subscribe and review this episode and share it with someone that you know would benefit from it. Thank you so much.